Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Quarren Stream, another, yet another Sinisnob podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, uh, we're in, I don't know, week four of quarantine here. Who knows? Something like that. I've lost track of time. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, here's, this is our uh, new podcast that uh, you came up with where we are uh, talking to uh, people that we know in the entertainment industry, um, friends of ours, uh, people we've we've had on the show before, uh, regarding what they're doing uh, during this quarantine, since everybody's kind of in the same boat, and we figure um, everyone is just watching something, right? I mean, that's really all there is to do, is to watch TV, and with all these streaming services at hand, uh, it's pretty much easier than ever to just sit back and watch so let's uh, introduce our guest today, uh, returning to the show. Well, not this show, because it was another show. But um, again, uh, visiting us is uh, Greg Sestero, actor, writer, director. Well, is it is it technically director? I'm sorry, Greg. I forget. Uh, <laughs> getting there, yeah, with, it, with get, the next film, yeah. But uh, Okay. You got, you so, got uh, pretty close. Greg, uh, Greg Sestero, uh, you know him from The Room, you know him from Best Friends, and uh, he's working on another movie. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. So, uh, you are currently uh, quarantined in the middle of the desert in Arizona, correct? Yeah, it's been um, it's been great. I've uh, been watching a ton of Disney movies, movies that I've uh, that I grew up on. Yeah, kind of revisiting those, being able to uh, work on post on the this new horror film I'm working on, going for hikes. So it's been uh, hasn't been too bad. I can't complain. So what's uh, – can you tell us a little bit about the movie that you're working on right now? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a story about a, um, a cult that was located here in, in the desert. And um, they traffic humans for very, very strange reasons, which uh, the movie will get into. But um, it's – you know, I, I've been fascinated by cults for a long time. I read Helter Skelter and – um, and so this one is one of the strangest, uh, stories I've worked on. So, um, it's kind of perfect cause we finished, uh, filming, you know, we got into post as this went down. So we're able to still work on the film, which is good. Um, gives us some to do obviously. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I've always been a, a big horror fan. So this has been, it's been a, a fun project. How'd this one uh, come to you? You said you read Helter Skelter, or uh, yeah, you read Helter Skelter, and uh, this was this something you had kind of kicking around for a while, or did it just come to you recently? Um, I yeah, I knew after, especially after I worked on um, Best Friends, I uh, horror was the next thing I wanted to do, and so I just kind of, you know, looked into to cults and, you know, strange stories. And I, we had filmed here in Arizona. So it was kind of a perfect chance, um, to, you know, look into to things that had happened here. So I, um, you know, started writing the script in this area and, um, you know, we just kind of jumped into it. And, and what's, what's perfect is there's so many locations down here that have so much history you know, from old Westerns and kind of just abandoned, um, you know, abandoned cultures and stuff. So it was, it was truly an experience. It's one of the, one of the most bizarre experiences I've, uh, I've ever been a part of. I mean, I took these ghost tours in Tombstone and, um, you know, Bisbee, Arizona is a place where there's, it's supposed to be called one of like the haunted, most haunted towns in the Southwest. And we got to film there. So, um, it was a blast and it's uh it was just really cool to work on something so different especially you know after you know the room and disaster artists it was just it was cool to take on a totally different challenge yeah uh, um it i've you've gotten to show me a little bit of the footage and it, it it looks gorgeous um i have to say i mean that that area is incredibly uh picturesque and uh i think uh there's some really great um, locations in there. I don't want to say too much about it, um, but uh, there's some really great uh, uh, surprises. I thought um, in in the little bit that you were able to show me. Um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away too much, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's much different. You would say it's, it's much more different than, excuse me, it's much different than uh, Best Friends, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, Best Friends kind of was, was a chance for, for Tommy and I to do something different and, and work together again. So, you know, you're, you're kind of limited in what you're able to do. And I think that was, that was a great, a great project to kind of team up with Tommy and, and try, you know, at that time, try something different. But this one is, um, it was, yeah, it was a totally different challenge. And, um, I just, yeah, I had a lot of fun, fun doing it. And I'd studied, a, you know, a ton of films in, in the horror genre and I wanted to do something that was, you know, original, but this, at the same time, um, you know, actually I studied a lot of seventies horror films. Um, yeah. and I thought this was a great chance to, to kind of do something in that vein. I, did you, um, so one thing I'm, I'm, I've been sort of fascinated by in recent memory or recent history is that there's been a lot of, um, films about cults, like independent films about cults within the last, you know, 10 years. Like there's stuff like Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, or the endless and uh, some other things. Did you, did you study any, any kind of cult films along with just general horror? Yeah, I had seen or films about movies. cults, I should say. Um, yeah, I saw, uh, I, I always mess up the name Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one I was really drawn to um, years ago, and I also watched. You also saw the Endless, so I think it was just kind of a combination of um, you know what what draws people to cults, um, what makes them you know want to be a part of it, and you know there was a. Um, there was a true story that had happened down here in this area that was really fascinating that I kind of stumbled into. So I kind of, uh, together, you know, a few, you know, a few inspirations. And, um, and I was also really lucky to work with, uh, Tom Franco, who's James Franco's, yeah. um, other brother who helped uh, produce a project along with, uh, Iris Torres, who, who uh, I met through disaster artists. So um, it was a really good balance of, you know, cause I think sometimes with horror, it can be a little too specific or a little too gory and you can kind of alienate a certain audience. So I really wanted to try to create a film that would be appealing to um, a wider audience this time. Cause I know obviously with the room, which, which has its own cult, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little, you know, it's kind of limiting. So I thought, you know, try to make something that would appeal to, you know, a broader audience. Yeah. Like with best friends, I think, um, you know, for, for as different as it was, it still was, you know, with, with the presence of Tommy, I think sort of, uh, as you mentioned a project for the two of you to work on together, but it, it was a pretty, uh, pretty targeted to people who, who knew the relationship between the two of you already. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know if that's fair to say, but that's just kind of how I felt about the film. Is yeah, that, I mean, it's, you're, you're definitely and, writing that. You're definitely, you know, relying on getting people to understand that your your friendship is is unique, and and the characters right. are are playing to, you know, hopefully playing to your strengths. So there's definitely that, um, you know, and, and I enjoyed again try the, you know, creating a different aesthetic and hopefully bringing people in that would could appreciate it that had never seen the room. But I mean, I think the great challenge, you know, for any artist is to, to break away from what you've done before and try to, to pull off something totally different. So, um, but, and I always like, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make a film, you know, you're going to live with it for a while. So you may as well enjoy, you know, who you're working with, where you're shooting. Mm-hmm. And so you're lucky on this to, you know, and it came together, <laughs> came together super fast, which was another thing. But uh, no, I think, you know, hopefully it's going to surprise people in a good way. Yeah. Um, so are you uh, you're actively editing every day or is it just kind of when it comes to you now that you got kind of all the time in the world to just sit around? Yeah. I mean, it's just we, we've had a, a you know, a few editors, you know, working on it. Um, got a couple of people that hopefully will we'll do the score as well. So we're, you know, it's, there's no rush. Um, luckily the, the, you know, the things I've been working on 
were done before all this. I was working, I was working on a, a Netflix series thing that, that was done before. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's good. So yeah, we have, you know, it's great with, with any creative project is that you have time to kind of sit through it and not rush and really rethink scenes of stuff that you need and, and things you don't. So it's, um, you know, we're able to kind of take our time with it, which is good. Now, what's the the plan for for this coming film? Is it going to be the same sort of touring model you did with Best Friends, or do you have something different in mind? Um, it's tough to say. I mean, well, you know, there's a couple studios that we'll look at, and we'll see what the what the market's like, what people are doing, what you know, theaters are up and running, yeah. which would be great. You know, kind of see what uh what the plan is. But I think for now, it's just kind of sit back and you know, try to get it right. And when the time comes, see what, uh, see what things look like. I mean, I always think it's, it's I guess that question is, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I guess that question is, I'm sorry. I guess that question is a lot different now that I think about it. Uh, you know, with you've, you've always been very hands-on with the fans. You know, everyone gets to come shake your hand and chat with you after the show. Uh, when you've been out with either the room or or best friends or or whatever else it was, do you see any aspect of that changing for you going forward, um, or will you I mean, be okay yeah, with it? I think, like you know, you were just saying, I think that's been kind of the best way to for me. I mean, that's what I've always known is you're you're with an audience and they see it in the theater and you get to talk about it afterwards. So it's really personal, and I think it's a it's a much different experience than just kind of watching it at home. So. It would be it would be great to see that continue. Um, hopefully, you know, people feel comfortable with it, and you know, it'll be safe. Obviously, which which comes first. So, I mean, I guess time will tell. See what how things progress. But I definitely think people will miss that. I know for myself, like watching movies on streaming, you know, it's great to have everything available to you. But at a certain point, you kind of miss the excitement of being in a theater and, and being able to share that experience. So, yeah. you know, I'm hopeful that we continue to be able to do that and obviously have Q and A's. And I mean, that's obviously how, you know, how we met, uh, you know, was yeah. doing that. So I, I think it, you know, it opens up a lot of connections for people to, to talk about films they love and then, you know, the Q and A's are something that I, I've enjoyed, you know, probably the most being able to just talk to people about your wacky experiences making these films yeah yeah well one thing i was i was gonna kind of ask on that same note is um you know obviously one one of the reasons why we started the show this show was to kind of figure out how um the 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 quarantine period has been affecting not only um people individually as you know you know, artists or comedians or actors or filmmakers or whoever we have on, but also how it's impacting the industry as a, as a whole, because obviously, you know, the, the film, you know, the movie theaters have been shut down for essentially like what, three weeks at this point or something crazy like that. I think you know, it's un- been closer to a month now. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it might be. And, and, and it's just sort of unprecedented. So I want to talk about that in just a minute, but first and foremost, I, you know, it, it sounds like you had finished, at least the shooting part of this are in post for this project, but you're someone who also does a lot of Q and A's and travels and, and, and is, and is part of that culture a lot. So have you, have you seen or noticed any sort of differences or adjustments to try to make, um, as a result of, of having that reined in a little bit? Um, I mean, you know, for me, it, it, it's been kind of a crazy last few years. You, You know, you had, I mean, obviously the room has been something that, people are continuing to discover and then you had disaster artists and best friends, you know, both films. So I've been on the road for, you know, on and off for, you know, several years. So for me, I was supposed to, um, there's a bunch of stuff I was supposed to do, you know, in the next few months. So, I mean, I guess it's sometimes you have to kind of sit back and take a break and, and I think it's been, um, you know, it's been a nice change in a way, but I know for, for theaters, like so many people have had to work so hard to build up their audience. You know, a lot of indie theaters, um, have so much support from, you know, people who love 
movies and indie movies. And so I, I really feel for them that, uh, you know, when something like this comes along, it makes it so hard to, to continue, um, you know, that, that plan. So I just really hope that things kind of hold together. So we have those places to go see, you know, offbeat films and, um, stuff that maybe mainstream cinemas wouldn't show. Um, you know, so for me, I'm really hopeful that we still have those venues, you know, up and running for us to continue to, to go see those kind of films and have those experiences. Um, you know, but for myself, I guess it kind of gave me a, a much needed break, um, which I, which I, which I, I really needed. I just, you know, obviously, you know, it's hard, it's hard for yourself to kind of stop and, and make that decision. Yeah. Was, was it always the plan to, to kind of hole up in Arizona to, to edit the film or did that just sort of happen? No, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a couple, a couple other things I was kind of, you know, kind of working on, but, uh, it just kind of was a chance to, to relax and, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get away, which, um, uh, I'd been wanting to do, but I, you know, I never found the right time. So, so I can't really complain. So what, things, things kind of worked out in that way. Yeah. What was the last thing you shot um, before you got locked down? Were you working on anything with the film? I know you mentioned a Netflix series you probably can't talk about. Um, but was there something – was was there like a last day on a set that you can remember? Yeah, that was – Like before it got I mean, shut down? I was down? in Spain for a little bit uh, for a festival in, in, in Portugal. Um and then, yeah, the Netflix thing was, was probably the last thing that I actually was on set for. But, um, you know, like I said, I was supposed to, there was, I was supposed to be in actually in Austin, uh, during oh, yeah. this time. And I was supposed to be in going to Europe as well. So, I mean, it's weird sitting, sitting back and being able to relax, uh, makes you realize, man, I, <laughs> it's actually, it's actually nice not to have to be, you know, jet lagged and on a plane for, for, for weeks. But, uh, you know, I think, so, so what was your, would it, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Uh, what was your, your amount of travel? Like how many weeks were you on the road a year in the last, say four years? Um, I'd say really it's the last, I'd say the last four years has been pretty consistent. The last two, I'd say, was like monthly. I mean, there were there were weeks where I was gone for like you know four or five weeks at a time, um, which was great. I mean, I mm-hmm. think you know I've, I've always had a passion to travel, and and then you know you, in this business throughout the years you have so much downtime, you know, trying to get work and trying to get in things that are that are actually shown. So you know, I was lucky to be able to go out and and see so many places I wouldn't have normally, normally been able to go to. Um, so I was definitely, I was very grateful for that, but it, it is, it is taxing. I mean, it's tough to be gone that long. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's just kind of, this is just kind of a chance to, to see all the movies that you've been wanting to see, read the books you've been wanting to read. Um, cause when you're on yeah. the road that much, you, it's really hard to be in a creative mindset because you're just, you're, you know, you're on a plane, you're at a hotel, you're doing an event and then you're on mm-hmm. to the next city. So, so go ahead, Cody. Uh, so one question I have that's, that's sort of a little off this topic, but sort of on the topic of just, uh, film in general, cause I, I'm sort of curious to get someone's perspective on this, which is I, one thing that we're seeing with theaters being shut down is, um, sort of VOD becoming uh, an actual option that that for you know first run movies where you know a lot of things have opened exclusively on on VOD um, in the past, um, but this is where kind of like uh, higher profile movies are either going to VOD faster or premiering on VOD, and I'm kind of curious to get your take on on that the shift to that model just in general because i know especially with stuff that you've done or stuff you've been involved with you know it's it's a communal experience you know something like the room is best enjoyed with other people or especially in a theater with other people and um 
and obviously doing Q and A's and interacting with with fans and things like that. So, so what is your what is your take on on the difference between um, you know theatrical and VOD and and, and, and how you see um, VOD as becoming like a a, a, a pretty well used model to to release movies now, especially now. Well, what I think what's so great about VOD is you take something like Tiger King, um, you know, and you drop it on Netflix, and it's in front of millions of people that can watch it and discuss it at the same, you know, in the moment. Um, I think there's something that that was really powerful about that model, and it, it it's really effective in getting people to see stuff quickly and and share it in that way um you know personally i've always been involved with uh you know the the theater experience because when the room started getting shown i mean you could only just buy it on dvd you know and 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 it was it was hard to get so going to the theater still still right i know it's it's still hard to get (laughs) uh so i mean certain things work really well for streaming uh but I, I still think it's it's for me it's always great to have that movie to look forward to to go to the theater and see it in the theater, you know a movie like Midsummer to me I really enjoyed going out and having that excitement to look forward to uh, you know Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know going on the Friday night mm-hmm. seeing it with friends seeing it with a packed crowd it just it just feels like more of an experience. Um, so I, I yeah. definitely think more, you know, a lot more movies coming now make more sense streaming. Just putting them, putting them out there, having them be available. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's, you know, there's there's still those movies that, you know, you see a trailer for and you mark the date when you're going to go see it in the theater and you're excited for it. I, I to me, it'd be a shame if we didn't have that anymore. But at the same yeah. time, you know. You know, Disney Plus or Netflix, it's, it's it's great to have some of these series or random films show up and be just be available to watch immediately. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's you know I think there's a way to have a really good balance for it and still have both. Uh, right now, obviously, it's going to be a a big challenge you know over the next year to see how that works out. But um, there's just nothing like going to an Alamo Draft House with a packed crowd. Mm-hmm. who uh you know that are just excited to share the experience it's it's hard to really replace that i mean i think that's where movies were always meant to be seen um so i mean hopefully just we find that balance yeah um so let that's a good point to uh, transition to our next kind of the, the whole point of the show as cody mentioned what have you been personally watching uh streaming while you've been locked up i think you mentioned uh, Disney Plus stuff. Have you've been on a Disney kick? I assume. Yeah, so I've kind of gone back and and rewatched all the movies that I loved as a kid. That really, you know, made me fall in love with movies. Um, you know, from the animation to the to the old Disney movies. I uh, haven't seen them in years because I recorded them off the ABC Wonderful World of Disney telecast. It was probably like yep. in the eighties record mm-hmm. them and then i'd watch them on vhs just every day i just turn them on and just watch them so i haven't really seen those movies <laughs> yeah. for that long and so i thought it was a great chance now to kind of jump back in and, and just rewatch these these films so um and it's been a it's been a really interesting experiment to see what like what was i what did i connect to back in that time like why did i love these movies so much um so, and I've also, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, but I never, I haven't seen a lot of the animated classics. Um, so I've watched those as well. Um, what, but, uh, what's, uh, so what was your favorite Disney movie back then? Like when, as a kid, the thing that you recorded and watched over and over again. So I would, I would watch like Swiss Family Robinson, Old Yeller, um, some weird ones, uh, some wacky ones like Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Um, oh man, which, that mo- that movie is so long. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's it just I feels it feels like it's three movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. that the soccer? Done, That's the soccer match, right? <laughs> yeah, they should have done the best yeah. volume one, volume two for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, Shaggy Dog is one that I loved. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they they had this 
this cast that did like three or four movies where they all played the same role in different films. Um, and so really? it was interesting, interesting to go back and see. Um, but what yeah, was that? I mean, what, what movie? Was, so it was, it was the same cat. They did old yeller. They did Swiss family. Robinson. Oh, yes. They did shaggy dog. And so what I found myself doing is going up and like looking up these people that I basically hadn't thought of in, in years. Um, so it was really mm-hmm. interesting to see, you know, which one, you know, if they're alive, what they're up to. And I've, you know, saw a few of them or it, you know, yeah. Like, uh, it, Tommy it, Kirk it, was the, yeah. the one that was in all three of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I guess he's still, yeah, like, yeah. he appears at cons once in a while. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, just the history behind those films. And I, and I didn't realize in Swiss family Robinson as well. Um, there was some, some history like, you know, George Lucas used to study that movie. And so really it was, yeah, it's just, it's been cool to kind of see what, what impact those movies had. Cause back, back then it's like, I just saw these films. I didn't even, you know, these, these people were a figment of my imagination and I would just watch these movies over and over, right. not really thinking about a business or anything like that. It was just, just in, just for pure enjoyment. There's one, um, that's on Disney plus now, and I haven't watched it in probably 30 something years. Uh, my sister used to watch it endlessly and it was called Sammy, the way out seal. I've never and it's, heard of uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> it's basically this family like adopts a seal. They, they, they live in Northern California or something. And this seal shows up at their door and then it causes uh, all kinds of trouble. And I looked it up recently and apparently it's only like 45 minutes long. And I, I can remember vividly watching it and thinking it was, you know, like this long adventure, but it, it was apparently just an episode of uh, wonderful world of Disney back in the sixties. So it's, it's, it's weird how those memories get just so fogged up. Is with, that still, uh, is that on you know, Disney like, plus now? Yeah. Yeah. I oh, looked okay. it up uh, uh, the other day. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember much about it except that it's about a seal i just looked at the runtime and saw that it was it was uh i think 43 minutes total um and it's obviously very 60s because they use slang like way out (laughs) and and i think the seal ends up like in a fountain in the middle of a grocery store somewhere i i don't know it's weird how these memories just kind of take hold and 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 hold on throughout the years yeah there are movies that like there's moments in you know, Swiss Family Robinson, for example, that I like thought was this huge thing, and I watched it. I'm like, it was just a couple seconds that had no impact on the film. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. it's just a funny exper- you know experiment to go back and and watch these these movies. Yeah, I think it's been interesting for for me to the whole Disney Plus launch just in general because. One thing that that when I was growing up, I was really only watching stuff that was you know, within that time frame, really, because we we had all of the Disney, like the the animated Disney movies on VHS and stuff. So we wore those out and never really went back much further. So it was it was so weird for me, like scrolling through Disney Plus when it first launched and seeing like, um, like these random movies that I had never even heard of. Like what was Jared, what was the one about the, the computer wearing tennis shoes or something? Oh, that's a Kurt Russell movie. The computer wore tennis shoes. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. Yeah. That's uh Kurt Russell was a a pretty big part of the early Disney, uh, films. Have you seen any of those? I, I didn't, um, I didn't even know about that, but that, that, I guess the thing doesn't really fall into that category, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that was when he kind of grew up. I think it was yeah. after he played Elvis and he did the thing, it was kind of at that. Yeah, I mean, Disney Kurt Russell, well, no, he did that. He did that Netflix, uh, Santa Claus one, right? That's well, right. I, I'm making a joke, Cody, but I know. I, so was I, <laughs> he was also in guardians of the galaxy too, which is a Disney movie, but whatever. You know what? You know what I am? Kind it, of anyway, about, though, on Disney plus that they don't have, that I really wanted to revisit was Ewoks battle for Endor. Um, yes. Yes. Which I was obsessed with, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I have the DVD of those two movies that they released. I want to say about 10 years ago, and then it went out of print. Um, it's the Ewok adventure and then the Ewoks battle for Endor. 
Did you think so? Did you think yeah, that um, was was any good, or was that just kind of? <sighs> Man, um, that's it has Wilford Brimley in it. Um, it does, yeah. It does. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought they were fine. They're, they're, I personally love that eighties aesthetic of uh, that 80s aesthetic science fiction where everything's real and, and kind of lived in and, you know, lots of physical uh, sets and stuff. So I, it probably skated way b- b- skated by way more on nostalgia than actually being good. Um, I haven't watched them in like, in probably seven or eight years, but yeah. um, I, mean, I, I do believe Battle, the second Battle one, which is was, the, was like right after return of the Jedi. So, if, I mean, it, it was right out of that world, which I think was kind of perfect timing, which is why they did it, probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, as far as I was concerned back then, those were like, this is this this is Star Wars four and Star Wars yeah. five. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that exactly that would be a good one to. For. I don't know that they. I'm, I'm curious what they do since they or what they're going to do with that stuff since I don't think any of it's considered canon anymore, and they're all about that right now. But there's uh there's that and there's um um I mean of course the holiday special which supposedly will never see the light of day even though it's all over YouTube. Did you did you ever see that one? Uh, I never did. I mean I think I, I saw clips from it, but I never watched it. <laughs> it's very uh, you can tell there was a lot of drugs involved in making it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, what about animated films, uh, from Disney? What, what were your favorites as a kid? So my favorite was Pinocchio. Um, okay. The one that I always, always liked the most. And then recently I've kind of gone back and watched, I mean, I hadn't seen, really hadn't seen these, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. Um, rewatched Aladdin, which of course really? has the, uh, the Tommy connection when he used mm-hmm. to sing a whole new world when we were playing soccer. So that was a little, <laughs> it was a little worrisome now revisiting that now. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, Pocahontas, I kind of just went back and, you know, it was cool. Cause I, I don't, I didn't really remember these films. So I got to, um, rediscover them, but, uh, Pixar, I, I rewatched, uh, Ratatouille, uh, Incredibles mm-hmm. up and Wally were two of my favorites. So, um, but yeah, I think we'll probably say Pinocchio is still still my favorite animated feature. That one's if you go back going back and watching it now, it's pretty dark in certain that's spots. What was, that's what I was gonna say. It, it it I remember thinking that as a kid and it's still it's definitely a lot darker than, than than any of the films that I saw afterwards. So what a um what about uh uh the um uh, the shorts. Were you a big fan of like the Disney shorts? I, I know that when I was a kid, um, you know, block, walking through a blockbuster video with my sister, you know, we'd, we'd kind of have to pick out something we both liked and there'd be like a collection of, you know, Donald Duck cartoons. Is that something you, you watch as a kid too? Or, yeah, I always or was it those. Um, more um, about the, I, I didn't know really many by name, but I always enjoyed, Really anything Disney, um, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. Like I think wasn't Fantasia or something like a wasn't that a short and then they turned it into a feature or? Well, it's like a series of shorts. Yeah, yeah. It's like each each piece on... is set. They used to do those on. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm interrupting you. They used to do those on the Disney Channel, like as music videos. Yeah, it was like Wonderful World of Disney. They would have a short before they'd show one of the films. Um, so yeah, I always always enjoyed those, mm-hmm. but I never I never knew any by name. Yeah. Um, okay. So so we've we've established. Uh, uh, I think that that your Disney bona fides. So uh, um, <laughs> what do you say we uh, we make some uh, suggestions for you to uh, to stream? That's kind oh, of the I'm premise totally of this whole thing, right, Cody? Yeah. Yeah, we've uh it's it's been a hotly contested contest so far where uh, <laughs> I so we're keeping track of score where uh if your movie is picked, you get one point and if the person likes your movie, you get a second point. I am currently up on Jared 2 to 0 um after 
uh, our previous episode with comedian Jerry Rocha, um, we had a pair of documentaries that went head to head. Um, and, uh, and I prevailed on that one and Jerry liked it. So I got my two points. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, um, really what we'll basically do is the same thing where, uh, Jared and I have each curated a pick. If you want to use those words for the, for the, the two movies that we have in mind, <laughs> uh, it's and they're Disney, Disney plus they're available on Disney plus. Yeah. We both went with Disney plus options since uh, we knew that was kind of going to be the theme here. And, uh, yeah. So, um, Man, should I go first? You you go first, Cody. Let's let's do it that way. All right. Well, this was an interesting experience for me because, you know, I I, I always want to give obviously good recommendations, but but I I kind of the, the movies that I associate with nostalgia and Disney movies and, and anything on that platform were I was I was kind of realizing are kind of rooted in the early to mid 90s which is when I was watching kids' movies. I was, grew up in the 90s. So um, I was trying to, I was like looking up movies that I, I remember watching over and over again and looking them up on Rotten Tomatoes just to kind of see, like get a gauge of that because all I have are my memories of them. And I was a bit mortified at how uh, poorly received all of my favorite childhood movies were. Uh, I think I was having trouble getting anything that was cracking about the 40s uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. So... <laughs> So I toyed with um, with kind of finding stuff on the higher end that I liked, some of the live action stuff um, from maybe like the early 2000s. But ultimately, uh, what I decided to do was to go with a movie that was, when I got Disney Plus and it launched, it was the first movie I looked for uh, because I, I had only ever seen it on VHS. So um, I wanted to see what it looked like in HD and ended up watching most of it. <laughs> And uh, it is a, uh, some would call it a classic, most would not, uh, a movie from, I think, 1994, if I'm not mistaken, called uh, Rookie of the Year. Um, <laughs> Jared is laughing, and that's fair. Um, uh, 1993. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- Thomas E. Nicholas, right? Yes. And Daniel yes. Daniel Stern uh, is, is in it, and also, yep. Yep, he uh, he directed it, and um, here's why I'm recommending it. <laughs> and I know it probably, it, I mean, it holds up for me because I have so much nostalgia with it. Which is, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of fascinated by the concept of of uh, when we when there's things that we really like from our childhood. Was it really good, or is it just nostalgia that's kind of propelling it? Um, but you know, the, it's a very simple premise where a kid uh, <laughs> simple premise. I didn't. It, well, it's a simple premise. It's not like a realistic one, but it's simple. <laughs> uh, okay. Where uh, a kid gets into like falls in his, uh, he gets a cast on his arm, and uh, what happens is uh, when it heals, his tendons uh, heal too tight, and he can suddenly throw a ball really fast. And he's like a you know ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen year old kid, and so he joins the uh, as a result joins the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> and uh, becomes a major league baseball player, um, and then you know has to tackle being a kid um, on the road, and and he um, falls under the tutelage of Grump Chet Stepman, played by Gary Busey. Uh, <laughs> and oh, that's uh, right, I forget Gary and, Busey was in it. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, Gary, yeah, classic Busey performance. Uh, and so, uh, uh, yeah, so it's. It holds a dear, near and dear spot in my heart because it's. Uh, I watched it a bunch as a kid. Uh, it has uh, a very famous quote that most people know it f- uh, know from it, um, which is uh, "funky butt loving." Uh, <laughs> this is uh, like the ninth time you've mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> it's look, man. First and foremost, when you go back and look at it, that's a very filthy thing to say. But also, it's just the idea that it's in a kids' movie and it and it made me laugh as a child and makes me laugh as an adult. Um, so hey, real quick, real quick. Um, is it, is it still in the film? Cause you've seen, have you seen the stuff, uh, lately about having, uh, Disney plus having censored some stuff? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, censored Daryl Hannah's butt and flash or splash, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They like added digital hair to cover <laughs> her butt. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, Jared, I'm happy to announce that funky butt loving remains untainted. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can, can you, I can't even imagine being like, 
like a like a teacher or something back in those days and hearing kids going around saying funky butt love and as we did uh and just wondering what the hell was going on <laughs> but uh it, yeah so um yeah that's so that's my recommendation it's technically a, a fox movie which is why it's on um disney plus but um but yeah that my, that is my recommendation uh 1993's rookie of the year yeah when greg was 15 he was really uh connected to rookie of the year <laughs> Uh yeah uh so okay Greg my suggestion my recommendation uh this is pro- this seems like a little more in line with what you were talking about this is a film called The Shaggy DA you mentioned The Shaggy Dog which you've seen I assume um probably as a well, kid yeah, right that was that was Shaggy Dog is one of my one of my binge favorites I watched it daily. Fred McMurray uh, uh yeah I knew every line knew every character. Um, I even tried to recreate some of that with my dad. I gave him like a newspaper and pretended like I was maybe turning into a dog or some spell or something. So I was, I was obsessed. (laughs) So, wow. Well, okay then. So the shaggy dog, it starred Fred McMurray, uh, Tommy Kirk, who we mentioned earlier. This is a film called the shaggy DA. It's a, it's a sequel to the shaggy dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this so this came up um, uh, conveniently last uh, last episode. We spoke to again. Uh, Cody's talked. Uh, Jer- uh, comedian Jerry Rocha, and we referenced um, a film by Tim Heidecker, who I, I don't know if you've met. I know you're familiar with him, though, Greg. Um, he did a film called Mister America, where oh, that's right. uh, I was supposed to, I was it was supposed a to uh, faux doc. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he did a, a, a documentary um, about running for district attorney, and uh, it's based on the On Cinema series that he hosts with uh, uh, Greg Turkington, a.k.a. Neil Hamburger. And throughout the film, um, uh, Greg Turkington recommends, keeps recommending uh, and referencing the Shaggy DA and, and comparing uh, Tim's run for district attorney to the shaggy da so so it's been something that's been stuck in my head for the last um few months since we we talked about the film so uh this is my recommendation this is a sequel it's uh it was uh released in 1976 so it has a, a way different aesthetic um you mentioned earlier how there was kind of the same uh cast across films this one kind of um you know, continues that tradition. Uh, it stars Dean Jones, who was, of course, a uh, in Herbie the Love Bug. Um, uh, what else did he do? Uh, Disney, uh, the Blackbeard's Ghost, uh, uh, Million Dollar Duck, uh, the other Herbie movies. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo, etc. Anyway, that darn cat, that uh, the ugly dachshund. Um, so this stars Dean Jones. He takes over uh, Tommy Kirk's role as will be. Um, Daniels. It will be Daniels. Um, and he's uh, basically the premise is uh, um, he after a, a crime is committed against his family, he's going to run for district attorney uh, to uh, to clean up the town. And it's the, the cast is it's it's a great cast of like uh, uh, 70s, like um, uh, pinch hitters. Uh, Tim Conway has a big role. Uh, you've got uh, Suzanne Plachette plays his wife. Keenan Wynn uh, does the Keenan Wynn thing and is a grumpy old man. Dick Van Patten shows up. Uh, Joanne Worley from Laugh-In um, kind of plays herself-ish, you know, the same sort of character. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's very it's 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 like pure, unadulterated uh, '60s '70s Disney, in my opinion. So and if you especially if you wait. if you watch this if you watch if you watched and love the Shaggy Dog this should be a it's it's a sequel and, and as a kid I remember watching it and and not really quite understanding why everyone was different but uh <laughs> it's uh it's a sequel and you don't necessarily need to know about the Shaggy Dog to to get it hmm. um but since you do it should be uh, right up your alley. So Cody, I think I'm doing pretty well on this one. So Well, I just have a question here now is is you say that he plays the same character but uh is this all canonical? Uh is is this the technically the same uh person or is it a reboot? 
No, I just said he play, he takes over the role of of Wilby Daniels from Tommy Kirk. Right, but is there are there any references to the Shaggy Dog or or like the first film or anything like that or stuff yes. that happened? Okay. Yes. Yes. So it, it's definitely 100% a sequel uh mm-hmm. to the Shaggy Dog. I cannot um, believe you know, I did not doesn't know. Doesn't have Fred that McMurray. A sequel existed. That's crazy. Yeah, that that's that's one of the things I I remember renting this again um, with probably my sister watching this when we were children, renting it from Blockbuster, uh, um, and I don't think that uh, that I'd thought about it since Disney Plus. Well, I probably hadn't thought about it since watching Mister America, <laughs> and then I I definitely hadn't thought about revisiting it until it showed up on Disney Plus. So those are our two picks. Uh, you're not going to tell us what you pick now. We'll talk about that next episode. But um, based on our recommendations, uh, you'll pick one of them, and then uh, you'll let us know whether or not you like it in the next episode. Now, Greg, I understand you have a recommendation for us. Can you tell us about it? I do. Um, Swiss Family Robinson. It's uh... So this is the... The 1960 version, correct? Because there's an old, old one on, on yeah, Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's the 1960 version, and it's very appropriate to right now. It's a family that's quarantined. Ah. Um, and they're having to figure life out on their own and build their own stuff, and they're basically shipwrecked. And so it's perfect time to watch it now, and it's got the same cast as uh, Shaggy Dog, Old Yeller. Um, and actually, it was like I was saying, it was a movie that was studied uh, by George Lucas and that influenced the trash compactor scene in Star Wars. Uh, episode four. Really? Um, George Lucas said he got the idea from a certain scene in Swiss Family Robinson. So um, couldn't be a better huh. time to watch it uh, than right now. And I, I, I know I've I've seen this before and, and you know. But it's never it's it's not something I've seen recently. Like I don't remember it. I remember watching it in school, like over the course of several days. Uh, but but the one thing that does stick out, obviously, and I think to a lot of people, is um, the treehouse because there's That's right. well, it used to be at Disneyland, now it's Tarzan or something. But I think it's still at the Magic Kingdom in Florida. You could like walk through the Swiss Family Robinson's treehouse. And that even got referenced on stuff like The Simpsons, um, when when the kids got shipwrecked on an island, they were going to build a Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. So that's that's something I'm eager to re- revisit because I haven't seen that in forty years or whatever it's been. <laughs> I'm not that old. Four, Thirty years. Yeah, a lot years? of people. A lot of people. Something like that. They've never heard of Swiss Family Robinson, so. Um, I can't believe I that they've never heard of it. That's crazy to me. We were talking. Earlier this week, Jared and I were talking earlier this week, and I had heard of it, but I was also conflating it with a couple of other movies that were very much not Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> oh, you were, yeah, you were conflating it with like Cedric the Entertainer movies. <laughs> yeah, I've something, some which, wires were crossed be, in my brain. Would be a great crossover, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> would you like to see a Cedric the Entertainer reboot of Swiss Family Robinson? <laughs> Uh, either of well, you, either. Know what, <laughs> you know what? Why don't you guys watch it, and then once you've seen it and it's fresh, then you can we can talk about that. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna watch Swiss Family Robinson. Greg, you're gonna watch one of the two movies we picked. Um, I, I feel like I'm I'm sort of at a disadvantage here, considering the Shaggy Dog is such a uh, classic and uh, in a. Well, in I didn't a know movie near, I, near I, to its heart. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea he, uh, Greg, you that you recreated scenes with your dad. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Of it was the, uh, it was one of the top three. All right. So uh, next episode, we'll get into our our choices. Um, Greg, do you have anything you want to plug right now? I know you're not out anywhere, but um, anything you want to like uh, anything uh, people can actually consume yeah, right now what? at home. Uh, we all need a good laugh, and uh, there was a movie that I did a few years back called Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, and it's <laughs> yes. on Shudder, I believe, but it's it's really just kind of a goofy, crazy horror comedy that, you know, the 
people that have seen it have really enjoyed. Um, so if you haven't seen that, check it out. Dude, bro party, dude, bro party massacre three. There is no one and two. We just went straight to number three. Um, <laughs> and I think it's I, worth a shot. I think it's I a, saw that it's got some laughs. I saw that. I think you had, you were at a screening in Austin the first time I saw that. And, uh, it's, it's super meta. Um, and I think you play like the nicest guy in the world in it, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a really fun movie. So it's on shutter right now. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that it was actually streaming. So yeah, definitely go watch that. And I think um, shutter is doing a big trial right now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, like a, I think oh, a 30 yeah. oh, day trial. Tri- yeah, I think everyone's doing that right now to to kind of um, entice people to. Oh no, it's on. Yeah, it's it looks like it's thirty days if you do it on Amazon, and then seven days on through Shutter. Either way, that's enough to watch Dude World Party Massacre. Uh, yeah. So, um, also you can listen to our other podcast, the the Cinesnob podcast. We're reviewing um VOD releases as they come out. Um, this past week we covered. Uh, I don't even remember what we talked about. That was t- three days ago, Cody. Um. Mm. the hell did we talk about oh, oh tiger, tiger tail, tail. On, on netflix and then a, a film that uh, was presented to us by the riff tracks folks called accelerator oh boy uh, <laughs> uh yeah uh so if you want to reach us you can email us at podcast at find us on facebook at cinesnob critic uh twitter at cinesnob uh cody you're soliciting questions right yeah if anyone has any uh is looking for uh, recommendations of what to stream. If you send an email to podcast at cinesnob.net uh, with your streaming services, uh, what you've been in the mood for lately, what what kind of movies that you like, or what the last thing you saw that you really enjoyed was, uh, we'll read those emails uh, on a show and, and give you some personalized recommendations. And then um, if you fi- happen to find us on Apple Podcasts, if you could uh, pretty please give us a five-star rating and a positive text review, um, that would be extremely helpful. Yeah. All right, Greg, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Um, Please, uh, I hope you enjoy my movie that I know you're going to pick. And I hope you enjoy very much uh, a classic piece of cinema uh, that involves uh, Daniel Stern getting stuck in between two conjoining hotel room doors. (laughs) All right. uh, Yeah, uh, so I'm Jerry Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania.